Amen. Thank you, guys. Great job. Great song. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I know Christmas season is exciting for some, difficult for others. Uh, you can always lean on Jesus. Name the storm, name the situation. You belong to Christ. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I'm thankful for that. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one near you. Got a hard black cover. We will be on page 778. John chapter 1, a few weeks ago, we began a lengthy Sunday morning series on great texts in the Old Testament books of Isaiah and Jeremiah and the New Testament Gospel of John. And I have a lot of confidence that there are a great number of you who will read the Gospel of John somewhere along the way, or maybe even regularly, uh, which would be even better. But very few people will wade through Isaiah and Jeremiah, and I want us to have a good taste of what our Lord is teaching us through those great prophets as well as in the Gospel of John. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Uh, God wants us to be thoroughly furnished and do all good works and all the examples in the Bible, whether they are good or bad, are written for our admonition on whom the ends of the world are come, so says 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Last Sunday morning, uh, we talked about how in the beginning was the Word. And we saw how John began his gospel record not with the angelic announcement or with a babe swaddled in a manger in Bethlehem, but rather in the very beginning. Jesus existed in the very beginning. He was God and was with God. And we talked about how thinking wrongly about who Jesus is and was uh, will hurt you in eternity. We talked about how thinking rightly about how Jesus was and is will affect how we look at sin in our life and what we're willing to sacrifice for our faith. Uh, when we understand that Jesus of Nazareth is worthy, worthy of our priority, worthy of our sacrifice, worthy of living our life differently than this wicked world lives, it shapes and changes our future, dra future drastically. And I remind you everything that God chose to inspire and preserve in his word is there on purpose. Though I don't understand why every word is there, I do believe it is all there on purpose. And despite the fact that I don't understand why every word is there, I do know this, there are some places in the scripture that are mountaintops, places where the truth is especially clear and especially applicable to you and I today, living about 1,900 years after the New Testament was completed People object to the Bible and to the gospel for a lot of reasons. For the most part, people who object are just making an excuse to reject the authority of a creator. Mankind has always wanted to do what he wants to do and believe what he wants to believe without consequence. In fact, the average person doesn't even want to know what the Bible says. They don't want their own beliefs or their own behavior challenged by anything our Creator has written to us. The average person, though in America they've heard something about Jesus because of Easter and Christmas, the average person, even in America, isn't aware of the fact that Jesus made the clear statement, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And many of those who object to the Bible and object to the clear statement of Jesus, they object because they say, what about those who've never heard the name of Jesus? You know, understand people don't raise this objection uh, because they actually personally know someone who hasn't heard of Jesus. They just want to re- excuse for rejecting the authority of God. The average person doesn't raise this objection because they care. They don't care about people in the middle of the desert or the middle of the jungle who they assume has never heard of the, of, of the name of Jesus. They just don't want the authority of a creator in their life. And so they object on that basis. But for anyone who's actually concerned about people, instead of just making excuses to reject the Savior, I have good news for you. The light of God has shined and is shining to anyone in the world who's interested enough to check into the light they have. If you're able to stand, if you would stand, please, this morning in honor of the reading of God's Word. Tell my thought this morning is, The light that lights every person. The light that lights every person. In John chapter 1, we begin in verse 4, it says, In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Thank you, might be seated. Last Sunday morning, when we spoke together, Uh, we establish the fact that the Word in verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word uh, was with God. Uh, We establish that that Word uh, is the same Him from verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made. We establish the fact that John, in verse 14, is talking about Jesus. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw how the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 4 is the light of all mankind. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We understand this morning the greatest light in our planet is not the Luxor lamp of Las Vegas at 42.3 billion candela. 42.3 billion candle power light. That is not the greatest light. The greatest light is not the moon that rules the clear night sky. The greatest night is not the sun that rules the day sky. The greatest light on our planet, in fact, in the entire universe, is the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though his light is so great, man, for the most part, does not understand his light to us. In verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness. 
and the darkness comprehended it not. Though our world does not fail to understand because Jesus Christ is incomprehensible, they do fail to understand because people don't want His light in their life. I mean, understand that is nothing new. Adam and Eve had just one ray of light. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't want that one commandment from God. How much more today in a day when they break down the law of Moses into 613 commandments, and I've seen the New Testament broken down to over 1,000 commandments, how much less does mankind today want the light of God in their life? They don't want to understand. People not being interested and not wanting to understand the light of God is nothing new. It's an old story. Notice then he goes on to tell us about how John the Baptist was sent from God to bear witness to the light of Jesus Christ. In verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. By the way, it's interesting, the word from is there. John was living in the desert. He wasn't living in heaven, but there in the desert he had some kind of special fellowship with God, and he was sent from God to the desert, from the desert to the Jews. In verse 7, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, capital L, <laughs> that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. See, because a few people were hungry for the light from God, there were some who flocked to John the Baptist. Some even thought he was the Messiah. John preached a message of repentance. John preached that there was somebody coming after him whose shoe latchet he was not worthy to untie. John preached about a lamb sent from God who takes away the sin of the world. A few were interested. But most, even though John the Baptist's ministry was prophesied in two places in the Old Testament, even though he was sent from God, most people were not interested in the light of God. They rejected John the Baptist, his message of repentance, his message that Jesus of Nazareth was a Lamb of God. But Jesus of Nazareth is not just a light to the Jews and to a few Gentiles living in and around Judea and Galilee back in the early decades of the first century in verse 9. It says that was the true light. Which lighteth, what are those next two words? Every man that cometh into the world. See, the light to whom John the Baptist bore witness lights every person in the world. Jesus of Nazareth has lit every human being in some way, both before and after his crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus has been the light to all, both Jews and Gentiles. Jesus has been the Light to all, both the elect and those who reject Jesus as Savior and Son of God. Jesus has been a light to all. He's been a light and is a light that has come into the world. In one way or another, he has lit every human being who has ever lived and who lives right now. Unfortunately, though Jesus lights every person, the world, for the most part, the world he created, didn't recognize him when he came in verse 10. In the world, he was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Can you imagine how disappointing that would be to have done so much in and for the world and then to not be recognized by the world? 
By the way, for the most part, our world, just like the world of that day, refuses to recognize Jesus for who He is. And it isn't just that the world did not recognize the one who had created all things. Unfortunately, the Jews, for the most part, of whose lineage Jesus was, they also didn't receive Him. In verse 11, it says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. Imagine how disappointed it would be to come to your own people group. People group that you yourself, not just created, but you yourself called out of Egypt. You yourself delivered from slavery. You yourself had performed miracles and sent prophets over the course of centuries. And he came unto his own. He did so many things among them. He spoke like no other man spake. Every word he spoke was the word of God. He did things no other prophet or human being or individual had ever done in history. And yet he came unto his own and his own received him not. Sadly, the Jews for the most part today still refuse Jesus as son of God and Messiah. I'm told there are an estimated 350,000 Messianic Jews in our world today. That's somebody's guesstimate. I'm told there are about 16.2 million Jews. That means about 2% of the Jewish population has acknowledged Jesus of Nazareth as Messiah and Son of God. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. Thankfully, both then and now, there are those who do recognize the Lord Jesus for who He is and those who received Him as He is, as Savior, as Messiah, as Son of God. They became God's children in verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And though it is commonly falsely believed in our culture that every human being is a child of God. God is actually only the father of those who have been born again into his family. In verse 13, it says, Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, people are not born into the family of God by blood. You are not saved because of who your mom, your dad, your grandparents are. If you're born of God, you're born of God because you placed your personal humble faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternal life. People are not born of God. Nah, next it says, uh, by the will of the flesh. You didn't uh, decide with your flesh to do this good work or that religious work. That does not also, that does not make you a child of God. That does not give you the new birth. People are not born again because of their good works or religious works. People are born of God because of faith in Jesus Christ. It gives us a third thing that it's not. In verse 12, uh, I'm sorry, 13, it says, nor are the will of man. Listen, you're not born again because of some clergy person. You're not born again because of some organization. And though the Catholic Church sometimes calls itself the one true church falsely, people are not born again because of they're Baptist or Presbyterian or Catholic or Lutheran or any other group you might name of man. People are born of God because of faith in Jesus Christ. And anyone who's actually born again, actually born of God, have been saved because you personally believed and received Jesus as Savior and Son of God. That's what it said in verse 12. But as many as received Him, 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You want to be God's child instead of a child of the devil? You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know what you think about these first 14 verses of the Gospel of John. To me personally, they're among the greatest Bible verses in all the Bible. I, if you are somebody with any kind of a mind to remember the Word of God, I would memorize as much of these first 14 verses as God has made you able to memorize it. That good. But my attention this morning is not on this section of Scripture. My attention this morning is actually drawn to verse 9, where it says that Jesus was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Who in the world has light? Who in the world has a chance to be saved? Do you only have a chance to be saved if you're born in a Western culture where we have some historical roots with biblical Christianity that we mostly have abandoned? Is Jesus of Nazareth a light to every person in the world or just some elite chosen group? Is it, is it really anyone who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ if they only knew the name to call upon? Those are good questions. What I'd like to do this morning for a few moments is just make some observations and applications of Jesus of Nazareth lighting every person that comes into the world. Please first go back in your Bible to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. I hope you love the Bible this morning. That's why we keep our lights on in here. We like you to be able to look at your Bible. Although it is easier to sleep if we dim them. I really think the best places to sleep are to get on the back row near the wall. And that way you can just put your head back and you don't do this, you know. You say, if you'd preach better, I'd stay more wide awake. Hey, listen, lots of parents use my sermons to help their children sleep. Just some observations and applications of Jesus lighting every person that comes into the world. Here's number one. Every human being has the witness of creation speaking to them. Every human being has the witness of creation speaking to them. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament she with his handiwork. The firmament is our atmosphere. That's the part of, in the Bible, there's three heavens. There's the heaven where God dwells. There's a heaven that we call outer space. And then there's the heaven that's our atmosphere, where the clouds and all of that stuff is. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament, she with his handiwork. Verse 2, day unto day uttereth speech. Those things are speaking day by day. Night by night, they're showing knowledge. Verse 3, there is no speech, nor language, where their voice is not heard. There is no speech or language in our planet that does not hear the knowledge of God being our creator. The stars of every clear night sky declare God's glory and the atmosphere shows his handiwork. I'm told that with the recent discoveries of the James Webb Telescope that there's an estimated one trillion trillion stars. That's one with 24 zeros. 
Most of us here, if you pay any attention to anything that's going on around you, you've seen pictures of galaxies, you've seen pictures of nebula, you've seen pictures of the planets in our solar system, and anybody who looks at that picture, you can't help but step back and say, wow. That's the handiwork of God. In fact, it's interesting that this James Webb telescope now is able to look farther back in deep space and time uh, farther than they ever could with uh, earthly telescopes or the Hubble telescope. And what those who believe in evolution, they expected the farther back they looked, they expected that they would find uh, galaxies that were not fully formed because they're farther back in what their 13.8 year billion timeline. But you know what they found? They found fully formed galaxies just like Genesis predicts it. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament sheweth his handiwork. The day unto day sheweth speech. Night unto night sheweth knowledge. There is no speech or language where the voice is not heard. Listen, every day the stars, the sun, the moon, the sky, they speak to every person in every language who would look upward and honestly consider what they see. The Spirit of God says to them, there's a creator. Have you ever made the effort to leave the city lights? Just to get out away from everything and look up in the night sky? You won't, if you've never done it, you need to do it. It's unbelievable. Jesus Christ lights every man and woman who's ever lived through the witness of creation. He's the light of the world. He's the light of the world, not just the light of the Jews. He died for the sins of the world, not just for the sins of the Jews, because Jesus is more than just the light to a few people or just to a people group. He is the light of the world, not just Western nations. And when a human being in the most remote place on our planet looks at the night sky, at some point the Spirit of God speaks to them and he says, listen, that gator God, that elephant God, that cow they said is God, they didn't make that. There is a great creator, all-powerful, who made that. At that moment, every human being makes a choice. A choice with the light that they have received that they will either reject the light that they get from the Spirit of God at that moment and the voice of creation to say, wow, I wonder what that Creator is like. Or they will say, no, I'm not interested in that light. I'm just going to stick with what I was raised with in my culture. I'm just going to stick with the gator God my parents taught me to worship. And then they just stall out wherever they are. But anyone who believes the light they've been given will be given more light by God. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But it's not just that every human being has a witness of creation because Jesus lights every man that cometh into the world. Secondly, go back in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. For those of you who are not real familiar with biblical history, the greatest king in the nation of Israel was a man named David. Uh, David had a son named Solomon. Solomon is considered, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, the wisest human being who have ever lived. For the first 20 years of his 40-year reign, he followed Jehovah God, the God of David, his father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. First Kings chapter 10, 
point. Here's number two. People who respond to the light they've been given will get more light. First Kings chapter 10, verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train and with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom in the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came. Mine eyes had seen it. Behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before me, before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Uh, this queen from Sheba, Sheba is a part of uh, what is modern day Yemen. Uh, the capital of Yemen, uh, Merib, is about 1,800 miles from Jerusalem. I'm told that camels carrying about 200 pounds of weight can travel 20 miles a day. A day. That means this queen of Sheba responded to the light of creation and says, well, you know what, there's a creator. I wonder what, he, I wonder what he's like. And see, somehow, 1,800 miles away, she heard about a guy named Solomon and the name of his God. Uh, by the way, that's why in your Bible, it's the name of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Remember, in your Bible, that refers to the personal name of God, uh, Jehovah. She heard about the name of the Lord, and she says, you know what? God has given me more light. I'm going to check out this light. And so a 90-day trip <laughs> each way. She brought a question to someone who might actually know an answer. She was willing to commune with Solomon with what was in her heart. She had the good sense to check out what she had heard. And because she was willing to respond to the light she had been given, she got answers and learned that Solomon and those who served him were actually better and happier than even the stories that she had been told. And her interest brought her to the place where she could hear that Jehovah God had some moral rules and that he expected people to keep them. But then when they failed to keep them, they needed to offer a blood sacrifice to cover their sins. And because the queen of Sheba acted on the light that she had, she got more light, and Jesus speaks about her as being saved in Matthew 12, verse 42. Turn to Mark, chapter 4. When you respond to the light you have, you'll be given more light. When you refuse to respond to the light you've been given, you stall out wherever you stop to be interested. By the way, there's people all over this room that you stalled out. Some of you have stalled out because you heard about salvation and your need to repent and be born again, and you're saying, nah, you know what, I don't want to check that out. Others of you have stalled out because you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and quite frankly, you didn't really want to know anymore about what the Christian life is supposed to look like. 
You didn't really want to know what your marriage should look like. You didn't really want to know how you're supposed to parent your children. You didn't really want to know what the priorities in life our Creator seeks are. You didn't really want to know, and because you didn't seek any more light, you just stalled out wherever God last gave you light. By the way, I didn't make that up. It's what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 25, He said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, that's how you put it out, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. If you hear, you'll get more. If you refuse to hear, Mark 4, 24, if you refuse to hear, refuse to the light that you've been given, you stall out. If a person responds to the light of creation, they're given more light. If they reject the witness of the creation or whatever that next step is, they stall out wherever it is. They stop. Listen, the Queen of Sheba, she responded to the light that she had on several different steps along the way, and it changed her forever. Most people put the love of God and His effort for people to hear about Christ in the box of their own ideas and affections. Please hear me. Just because you don't know anything about what's going on among people, why would you assume that no one is interested in the name of Jesus? Or that if they are interested, God would not make a way? What a prideful assumption. Listen, our Heavenly Father has very clearly said, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. John has clearly said, as other, well as other places in the Bible, that Jesus Christ, He lights the whole world. I, I know for a fact, in North Korea, where the Bible is banned, uh, and they will jail and at times even execute uh, people if they find you with a copy of the Bible. I know for a fact that believers in South Korea, when the wind is right, they put gospel tracts in helium balloons and send them up to blow over North Korea to fall wherever God would have them fall. We support a Syrian preacher who uh, has a $1 million bounty on his head. His ministry is smuggling Bibles in a, into Iran. I don't know where he got them, but he got a whole team of donkeys that used to be, uh, they were trained by people who sold drugs, and so they will follow these trails to whatever destination without any human being with them, and now he puts Bibles on the backs of these donkeys, and they smuggle them into Iran. I was just told this week that there are literally thousands and thousands of young Muslim people who are being converted to Jesus Christ, and their imams say this word, it's because of that book. Oh, what about these people who haven't heard about Jesus? Why do you impugn the love of God? Is God limited by what you know or I know? Final Frontiers Missions that we support, it's a ministry that's focused on identifying and training and supporting national pastors. Uh, they have several thousand that they support. We support a couple here as a church. Some of our individuals uh, in our church support them. Listen, they have that, just that ministry, they have evangelized over 760,000 villages. 
just that ministry. We support a man who is in a very dangerous place in the, in the world and he is translating the Bible into the language of a people group that does not have the whole Bible. And even where he is, there is a small group of believers taking what part of the Bible they have to their circle. We support another man who's in Nepal, in a very rural area there, who is translating the Bible into another language of a people group there that does not have a whole Bible. And even there, he has a small group of believers who he works with and who are trying to get the name of Jesus to their circle. Just up the street from us in Lebanon is a Fellowship Baptist Church. It's a church that runs less than 100 people. They are the mother of Fellowship Track League. And Fellowship Track League in 2023 distributed 60 million tracks to this world. That's one church, one track ministry. Oh, what about these people who haven't heard about Jesus? Know any of them? Or is God limited by your and my very limited knowledge of what's going on in the world? Is the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, is he well able to get the message of Jesus, to get that light to anybody who will respond to the light they have? He absolutely is. Jesus lights every man who comes into the world. And God has so many ways to get the truth to people that it is a huge slam on God's love to think he doesn't get the news of Jesus to anyone who would respond. Listen, God can have someone born in a time and a place where they can hear. By the way, in case you hadn't noticed, God chose the time and place where you and I were born. God can send an angel like he did to Cornelius to show him where to go to get the message. The angel told Cornelius, hey, listen, go to the town of Joppa, get Peter, he'll tell you. God can send a witness like Philip to a desert place where there's a man from Ethiopia, thousands of miles from home, who's got an interest in the Bible. Listen, don't underestimate God. The, the God who so loved the world, the God who loved the world to have his only begotten son die for the sins of the world, and you and I sit here and say, well, I just don't know about them people who haven't heard about Jesus. Come on, man. God can give people in a remote village a vision there's a man named john nelms we've had him speak here he it's been quite a few years ago now but uh the nature of his ministry he has been in a lot of uh very rural places uh he most recently was home they poisoned him poisoned him he's home recovering from that but he will tell you stories about him going uh, into remote vi villages, just following a trail in the middle of, of, of some jungle, and they get to a village, and the village didn't know they were coming. But he, would, he told me that multiple times before they got there, people in the village would have a vision of a white man coming and telling them about God. Oh, what about people who haven't heard the name of Jesus? Please be quiet. By the way, there are people groups in South America that the government has forbidden contact with. His organization got permission from the tribal chiefs to go there and give them the gospel. 
They don't even have metal arrow tips. And yet the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world, he made a way. And then we sit here, well, what about those people that haven't heard the name of Jesus? Please be quiet. Jesus Christ lights every man that comes into the world. Maybe it's time we trust in the love of God. Maybe it's time we trust what God has said. Instead of thinking we really know what went on in history or what goes on in remote places of our world. Listen, God has a way of bringing the light to the world. Thanks be to God. Which gets us to our last thing, number three. I know, it's a favorite part of every one of my messages when I get to the last thing. Here's number three. The biggest issue is not what light people have in remote places. The biggest issue is what we choose to do with the light we have. We don't live in a remote area of the Congo or Malawi or Bhutan. Because of America's founders and because of the biblical base of America's heritage, I realize there were all kinds of uh, people here for profit and other things. I understand that. But the, our, our nation has a biblical heritage. And because of that, you and I are exposed to so much more light than any place else in the world of which I am aware. And light abounds in America's darkness. Some of you come from families where you are given that light from birth. Praise God. I mean, all your life, from the womb of your mother under the very day she took her last breath, she, and maybe your dad too, made sure you had the light of the gospel, the light of the truth of God. Others of you, you're more like my wife and I, and we had a very dim light until in our 20s when we uh, became aware of biblical Christianity and Jesus Christ and our need to be born again and decided, listen, our children were not going to grow up in the dim light in which we grew up. Our children were going to grow up in the full light. But the issue is not what goes on there. The issue is what you do with your light. What will you do with the light of the Bible being the Word of God? You know, take it home, set it on your shelf, not pick it up till the next time you come here. What are you going to do with the light of Jesus being the only Savior? Oh, listen, we have people that come here every single week, sometimes week after week after week. They know they need to be born again. They know they need to repent. They know they need to receive Jesus Christ. They just walk out of here with no more light than they walked in. I plead with you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God. What are you going to do with the light of the importance of the Lord's church? What are you going to do with the light of your need to obey Christ in baptism? What are you going to do with the light of the way he wants you to have your marriage? What are you going to do with the light of the fact he wants us to be bold witnesses? What are you going to do with the light of the fact that he wants us to find our spiritual gift and to serve him? He wants us to be uh, prioritized on Jesus Christ, to have our affections and things above, not in things of this earth. What are you going to do with the light? Are you going to walk out of here and be no different than what you came in? But you respond to the light you have. And God will give you more light. That's what I want. What are you going to do with the light God's given you? Amen. If you quietly stand.